You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, which means it's officially springtime, baby. Yep, that time of the year when I go outside and enjoy that sweet, fresh air, despite my allergies. Woo! Oh, no, here it comes. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, we look at some actual good things going on in the world, what Hollywood gets wrong about the female orgasm, and Eric Andre joins us to talk about punking America in his brand new movie. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Every day on The Daily Show, we cover the news. Daily Show. And if you follow the news daily, you know that most of it is bad. And some days, it's even more badder. And it's on those days that I like to remind myself that there is still a lot of good out there in the world. And I like to share that good news in our ray of sunshine. Our first ray of sunshine is for dogs creators of the world's most popular sex position. Across the country, there are thousands of good boys just waiting to be adopted. And one equally good human boy is giving them a boost. A 14-year-old found a way to help a lot of shelter dogs. Yeah, his name's Darius Brown. He helps them stand out in the crowd with bow ties. Darius has sewn hundreds <laughs> of bow ties Cute. and sent them to animal shelters across the country looking sharp. And they aren't just for dogs because he makes them for cats, too. There you go. He says he's donated about 600 bow ties for animal shelters. Shelter workers say it helps the animals, especially older ones, get noticed more quickly. It's very smart. Yeah. Oh, guys. A bow tie on a dog? That's something you don't expect. You know, it's like shrimp tails and cinnamon toast crunch, but adorable. And this is a genius plan because a bow tie just makes everything a little snazzier. You know, dogs, people, other bow ties. A simple bow tie could even make like a raging douchebag seem respectable, which is, by the way, how Tucker Carlson got a TV show. The only problem is you'll never know why the dog has a bow tie on. I mean, is it fashion? Or did that dog join the Nation of Islam? Some old, nice white lady's gonna be bringing her dog home like, speak, Sparky, speak, speak. Oh, what a surprise. The white devil wants me to speak on command. Moving on to the coronavirus vaccine. That's the only thing on earth that's stored colder than dipping dots. Every day, more and more people are vaccinated. But after a year of being extremely cautious, some people can't quite bring themselves to accept the good news, because it's been so long. I mean, even when I smile, I'm like, oh no, my frown turned upside down. Is that a COVID symptom? So here's a ray of sunshine about a grandmother who was still anxious about doing what she could after getting vaccinated and how her doctor helped her overcome it. Some people say the best medicine is love. For one woman in the Bronx, that's just what the doctor ordered. Take a look at this prescription. This is what Evelyn Shaw got. It reads, you are allowed to hug your granddaughter. It comes after both of them were fully vaccinated. My daughter and granddaughter came to my apartment because they had a gift for me. To my amazement was a prescription from my doctor. And she wrote, you are allowed to hug your granddaughter. 
That hug is a hug I'm going to remember forever. <sighs> okay, you gotta admit, this is such a heartwarming story. I mean, unless we find out that that's the doctor's treatment for everything. I'm afraid it's lupus. So what you're gonna need to do is go and hug this woman's grandma right away, twice a day. Now, yes, it is true that the doctor was out of network, so that hug will cost $80,000, but I'm still happy that this grandma got to see her family before she files for medical bankruptcy. And actually really shows you how much people respect the authority of doctors. I mean, once they write a prescription, there's no more arguing. It's a prescription. Oh, doctors could make that work for them too. Shit, if I was a doctor, I'd just go into a bank with my prescription pad. Good afternoon. I have a prescription for you here that says you need to open the safe and hand me all the cash. Well, I guess if it's for my health. Now look, until everyone can get vaccinated, it is still important to monitor the spread of the coronavirus so we can stop any outbreaks before they get too far. And now, Getting a coronavirus test is gonna be easier than ever. DoorDash will soon be delivering at-home COVID tests across the United States. The delivery app's teaming up with two health companies, Vault Health and Everly Well in 12 US markets. DoorDash says delivery of the FDA approved test kits will typically take less than an hour. They cost just over $100 each and they can return results in 24 to 48 hours. Yes, thanks to DoorDash, you can now get a COVID test delivered right to your home along with, I'm assuming, 40 packets of ketchup. And DoorDash isn't the only one helping, by the way. Uber has started offering COVID tests too. Yeah, if you get in the car and you can smell weed, you just tested negative, my friend, congrats. And let me just remind everybody right now that your delivery driver is not responsible for your test results, all right? Because you know there are people out there who are gonna base their reviews on that. What? You're telling me that I have COVID? Dude! One star! Bitch, I'm not the one who coughed on you. Moving on to a ray of sunshine from the world of racism. Yeah, even racism. Black people in America have been waiting for slavery reparations for 150 years. And to put that in terms white people can understand, that's even longer than you've been waiting for the next Game of Thrones book. But now, residents of one city are finally getting their first taste. The nation's first reparations program for African-Americans was approved overnight in Illinois. The Chicago suburb of Evanston is moving forward with a $10 million plan to address a history of discriminatory housing practices faced by its black residents. The first step, which passed last night, makes $400,000 available for home ownership grants and mortgage assistance. This plan could become a model that more cities could follow. That's right, people. Reparations are happening. Ooh, with these housing grants, black Americans can finally fulfill their lifelong dreams of gentrifying a white neighborhood. And kudos to Evanston, Illinois. Especially since I assume whoever the Evans guy the city was named after was a huge racist. In fact, let me check that before I assume. Get some Wikipedia out and yep, huge racist. Here's my thing though. It's great that some of the funding is going towards practical things like aiding home ownership, but keep in mind, Black people have been through a lot of shit in America over the last 400 years. So some of that money should also just be to give black people a good time, you know, help them relax. Like going to the spa or getting a facial or buying a stress ball for whenever Kanye West tweets something. Basically what I'm saying is it's not real reparations unless you give the descendants of slavery actual money and let them choose how they want to spend it as if they're adults. Ooh. But still, 
Congratulations to the black people of Evanston, and congratulations to all the white people who are gonna find a way to game the system. Well, my 23andMe says that I'm actually 3% Africa, so... And finally, some uplifting animal news. Like most of us, zoo animals have been stressed out by the coronavirus lockdowns. Stuck in their homes for a whole year, and they don't even have Netflix. I mean, imagine being a tiger and not getting to watch Tiger King. That's the ultimate FOMO. But now, a zoo in Colombia is giving its stressed out residents a musical treat. Colombia's Cali Zoo hired a pianist to help relax its animals on Saturday. Mario Fernando Prado came to the zoo and played some of the most popular classical songs for animals ranging from zebras to lions to flamingos. Prado says this was certainly different from his usual gigs. The zoo said Prado was their debut artist and hoped he paved the way for other musical acts. And I'm so jealous right now. Yeah, right? <laughs> now that is a beautiful idea. And I'm actually sure that this was very relaxing for all of the animals. Although you can't tell by looking at an ostrich, you know? You can't see when that animal is relaxed. It just has one facial expression, which is always realizing you left your phone in a cab. And as an added bonus for the zoo, a piano concert is probably gonna keep all the zebras in line. Cause can you imagine them during that performance? They were looking at those black and white keys like, what have they done to Jimmy? Oh, they've cut him up and now they're making music come out of his body. Just because you kidnapped the zebras from Africa and keep them in Colombia doesn't mean they're not African anymore. So look, I think this was great for everyone. I, I, I mean, the only person I feel a little bad for is the piano player. This probably wasn't the career that he dreamt of when he started playing the piano. Mama, you remember how you said I would never make it as a musician? Oh my God, Eduardo, did you make it into the Philharmonic? What? No, wrong number. Okay, never mind. bye-bye. Now, say what you want, but this story is adorable. And you know who loves adorable stories? Is my friend, Roy Wood Jr. I'm gonna bring him on right now. Uh... Yo, Roy, what's going on, my dude? What's up, man? What's going on, man? How you been, bro? I know you love playing piano, so I wanted to see if you heard the story of the pianist who got a gig playing for zoo animals. Yeah, I heard about it. It's trash. Hated the story. Matter of fact, I hate that dude. But, but why? I thought of all people, you would think it's cute. No, I don't like it. Trevor, I also auditioned for the gig. Then they decided to go with some guy playing Mozart. What name real Mozart? Oh. Wow, so you auditioned to play piano for zoo animals? Yeah, why wouldn't I? It's a sweet job. You get to work outside, you get free parking, you get all the stale peanuts the elephants don't eat, and I wrote all these great original songs for the animals, but the zookeepers, the zookeepers decided my songs weren't appropriate. Wow, Roy, I'm, man, I'm sorry for that, brother. Like, I'm sorry that they didn't like your music. Yeah, man, it is what it is, man. I had some good hits, man. Check, check this out, these are good songs, man. Hey there, zoo animals, you gotta eat all of the zookeepers. Rise up against your oppressors and gobble them zookeepers up. Gobble, 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 nom, 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 nom. Roy, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. 
That's that's what you were singing. You 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 can't you can't sing that. You can't be telling the animals to eat the zookeepers, man. That's that's promoting violence. Well, no, dude. That, the words I was singing is just nonsense. I'm just I just say them words for rhythm. You know the animals can't understand English. Well, actually, that's a that's a good point. It's not like you're like telling that. Yeah, no. I, play on. My bad, man. My bad. My bad. Exactly. No. Where was I? Where was I, man? Come on, lions. I know you understand English. I've been teaching you in secret for several months. There's a weak part of the fence next to the gate. Break it down and go Jumanji on their asses. Okay, Roy. Chomping. It's the line, chomping. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem there, Roy. You see, you... I understand that zoos have ethical problems, but you can't be you can't be telling the lions to go and eat people. Like, why you even do? What are you planning? Planning? Damn! Don't be so paranoid, Trevor. It's just music. Hey there, lions! Let's go eat, Trevor. No, what tonight? Trevor, no. What, what did I do? on your back, and I'll take you to his house, and you can eat everyone except me. And I'll be the king of the lions Unless you eat me too That would not be nice But that's a problem for later I'm glad they didn't take your songs at the zoo, man You know why? Because your songs are shit, that's why Talking about gobbling me and eating me as well All of your music is trash That's cruel, bro and I could get mad about it, but you know what? I've been working on myself. I'm willing to bury the hatchet. So let's talk about it tomorrow. Meet me at noon at the zoo. What? No, I'm not going to meet you at the... I know what you're planning, Roy. You want me to come to the zoo I got so I can job. sing these songs with you. I'm not stupid, Roy. Get out of here. Roy with Junior, everybody. <laughs> He's not going to get me that easy. All right, we're going to take a short break. But first, if your college basketball bracket is as busted as everyone else's is, it's not too late to go all the way in the Daily Show's brackets of bullshit, where you can vote for the little things that have annoyed you the most during the pandemic. Because I know it's been a legitimately terrible year, but let's be honest, there must have been a lot of trivial problems that we didn't need on top of the really bad stuff. You know, like celebrities singing Imagine or emails that start with, in these difficult times, so annoying. I think that one could actually go all the way. Round two is open now, so go to dailyshowbracket.com and make your picks. When we come back, Desi Lydic takes a look at the history of the female orgasm in movies. Ooh, you don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. March, as you know, is Women's History Month. And to celebrate, we turn to Desi Lydic, where she doesn't explore his story, but his hurry. It's no secret that women's on-screen portrayals have evolved throughout history. We've gone from playing secretaries being saved by James Bond, all the way to nuclear scientists being saved by James Bond. But I wanna focus on one specific aspect of female depictions, the orgasm. It's when a woman is stimulated to the point of climax, causing a physical and neurological response that scientists refer to as bangtastic. And over the years, depicting female pleasure on screen is something that's changed more than the batteries in your vibrator. The first known female orgasm on the silver screen was in the 1933 German film, Ecstasy, when Hedy Lamarr took the Bratwurst Express all the way to Pleasureburg. 
Turns out the world wasn't ready for this. Everyone denounced it from Hitler to the Pope. And if you ask me, the Pope has no place weighing in on sex scenes. He's celibate. I mean, when we need your opinion on the best stain removers for white fabrics, then we'll call you. Unfortunately, being the first actress to climax on screen followed Hedy Lamarr for the rest of her career. She was typecast as the seductress, even though she was literally the smartest person in Hollywood. Yeah, as her side hustle, she was a brilliant scientist who invented the basis for all modern wireless technology. Without her, no one would be orgasming because we wouldn't be able to watch porn on our cell phones in the bathroom. And that was the last big on-screen female orgasm for a while, because around the same time, the Hays Code was enforced in Hollywood. This was a set of censorship guidelines that banned movies from explicitly showing or discussing sex. Even married couples had to be shown in separate beds, or as it's now called, the reverse chocolate factory. With the four of you bedridden for the past 20 years, it takes a lot of work to keep this family going. No one was getting off. The Hays Code finally ended in the late 60s, which, as timing goes, is like having your dry January end at an open bar in Cabo. America was embarking on a sexual revolution, so female pleasure came back on screen. Unfortunately, it was often treated as a novelty that existed for men's amusement, so you got scenes like the one in 1968's Barbarella. Where evil doctor eyebrows over here traps Jane Fonda in a machine that's supposed to give her orgasms until she dies, except that she climaxes so hard she breaks the machine. My goodness. At the time, it was considered a campy, sexy thing, but looking at it now, it's a violation. Remember, everyone, if you're gonna put a woman in a machine that orgasms her to death, you need consent first. Another major moment came a few years later with the movie Deep Throat. It tells the story of a woman who keeps giving men oral sex because her pleasure zone is in her throat. That is not how it works. But Deep Throat became the first porno film to go mainstream and inspired both my uncles to become dentists. The female orgasms in Barbarella and Deep Throat were basically male fantasies about how women experience pleasure. So it was appropriate that the next on-screen orgasm to make a splash totally debunked those fantasies. 1989's When Harry Met Sally famously includes an extended scene of Meg Ryan faking an orgasm in a deli to prove to Billy Crystal that maybe he wasn't the cunnilingus king that he thought he was. Oh! Oh, yes! 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 Oh, God! This scene was groundbreaking for a few reasons. It told all the women watching who had faked orgasms that they weren't alone. It taught men to try to be attentive to their partner's needs, and it catapulted pastrami to become the top aphrodisiac of 1989. It also started a conversation about the performative nature of the female orgasm. Women face far too much pressure to satisfy their partner's ego instead of themselves. I mean, no one ever has to fake it for their vibrator. If they don't get the job done, they just go back into the drawer and they think about what they did. In the years that followed, female pleasure became more and more common on screen, but they were still often treated as punchlines, like Jennifer Aniston getting unexpected magic climaxes in Bruce Almighty, or Katherine Heigl accidentally orgasming at dinner when a little boy grabbed her remote-controlled vibrating underwear. Okay, there is so much wrong with this. It's non-consensual, it's a kid doing it, and it perpetuates the dangerous myth that vibrating underwear gives you anything but a five-alarm electrical burn. And even when orgasms weren't meant to be funny, it could be hard to take them seriously. Like in 40 Days and 40 Nights, when Josh Hartnett makes his partner orgasm by caressing her with flowers, which, believe me, is not that easy. Not to be a size queen, but 
you're gonna have to use at least a sunflower. The aughts weren't a step forward for orgasms, but they weren't a step back either. They still needed to step a little to the side. Now the other side, then back and forth. Yeah, right there. Thankfully, in the present day, we're starting to see much more realistic and positive depictions of women popping their turkey timers. These days, you can hardly turn your TV on without seeing a woman getting off. And finally, movies and shows are doing this through the female gaze. And if you don't know what that would look like, then you haven't seen Bridgerton. It's a show about 19th century British society taking care of their little women. She's a Beth in the streets, but a Joe in the sheets. Thanks to Bridgerton, there haven't been this many female orgasms since, well, since everyone started watching Bridgerton. So that's the history on the female orgasm on screen. And who knows what the future holds? But it is important because the way women are portrayed on screen holds a mirror up to how they're treated in real life. And as all women know, sometimes holding up a mirror to something is the only way to get a good look and figure out how it works. Thank you so much, Desi. All right, when we come back, the hilarious Eric Andre will be joining me on the show. So don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with comedian and actor Eric Andre. We talked about going from punking celebrities on his Adult Swim talk show to punking regular people in his brand new film, Bad Trip. Eric Andre, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. My man, Trevor, Noah, in the house. <laughs> Wait, can I can I tell you something? Do you know that yeah. Alex Jones might have gotten us confused? Now you're much more handsome than me, so I don't want to left-handed insult you. But Alex Jones, when I I pranked him one time, right uh, at the Republican National Convention, he kept saying, get, "Get the Daily Show guy up here. Bring the Daily Show guy up here." <laughs> And I was like, which guy? Wyatt Cinek? Trevor? Wh who is he? I don't know who he thought I was. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. Now I could get, I would be like, yeah, you know, if we ran around the, the, the RNC and then I'd be like, I would even give people that. I'd go like, yes. You know, yeah. I would use you to get away from a crime right now is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so if like, if something happened, I would go, well, what if it was him? And like, I would, you, you know that dramatic scene in the movie where the people go, you sure it was him? I'm sure. Then you're like, well, there he is. And then you stand up in the courtroom and the person's like, oh, it's that person. That's what I would do. I could do that yeah. right now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't blame you. Yes. You've been, you've been in, in lockdown for a while. I, there's, there's few people I worry about more than you because I, I feel like, Eric Andre is like the guy of things happening always. Are, are you like, has this, has this thing made you go crazy or are you coping with the, with the lockdowns? Uh, I've definitely drank way more in the last year than I ever have in my life. I'm talking like Jack Kerouac, Charles Bukowski level of alcohol. I built a bar in my house. I'm losing my mind, but um, uh, I feel great because <laughs> i'm drunk by like 2 p.m every day so you know you're just in that zone i'm in that zone man i'm just crushing up biking in and making pina coladas i never know how much of this is like you being like you know like eric andre is the one person where i feel like you may be in a situation one day where you need someone's help but they wouldn't know if you're being eric andre or if eric andre needs help I know it's like, wait, what, where does the shtick 
end and the man begin. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah, and you know what? I just remember my mom is going to watch this. Um, so, mom, I'm not I'm not drinking as as much as I just told Trevor I was drinking. I'm I'm drinking um, uh, V8. Okay, <laughs> I just had to. My mom's a super fan. Well, hi hi hi, mom. Hi, mom. Um, my mom you, is very attracted to you, by the way. My mom and my sister, they would rip your clothes off in a second. You wouldn't know what hit you. Oh, wow. I wouldn't know what hit me, to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, can safely say Andres... nobody's ever said that to me before. You, my Ooh. mom and my sister would do... I wouldn't know what hit me. Well, come For over some reason, the generational jumps adds to the, to the confusion for me. You could get into a very weird porno at the Andre residence <laughs> if you wanted to. I'm just putting that out there. Offer is on the table. Putting it out there. Let's talk about the movie, Eric. Um, <laughs> bad trip. This movie, yeah, I mean, people have been waiting forever for this movie. You know, it's been, it was pushed back like three times because of the pandemic. I think even Amazon leaked it by mistake on Prime and then had to pull it back. And then it felt like the whole thing was a prank. And then I found out that the movie was a movie, but it's also like a, like a hidden camera prank show because there's real people in the movie. But then you've got like a narrative going. It's an actual story, which is very good, by the way. At first I was like, oh, this is just Eric messing around. But it's actually like a good story. And then you're pranking real people. Surely that's harder to make than just a normal movie. It's incredibly hard because not only are you, not only were we pranking the people, but we were getting plot from the people we're pranking. We're relying on them for exposition to lead us into the next scene. So I'd have to like prank somebody and then talk to them for like an hour and a half just to like (laughs) squeeze two lines of dialogue out of them to get to the next scene. So... It was no small feat. But yes, it is a, a narrative hitting camera uh, prank movie with um, uh, myself and Tiffany Haddish and Lil Rahari. Here's something I've always wanted to know when you're making these kinds of movies. When, when you prank the people, they have to agree to be put on screen after. Like, they have to sign a release or something, after, don't they? After, yeah, after you... Yeah, probably... but then, like, why do people agree? Because a lot of the people in the movie don't look the best. Right. Why would they say Yes. Um, they don't always say yes. You will see some blurs in the movie, but, uh, they say, you know, what's funny, the people that are the angriest when you prank them are usually the most relieved to find out it's a prank and have the best (laughs) sense of humor. Like this guy pulled a knife out on Rel and I, and then once we revealed that it was just a prank, he was like, oh man, y'all are hilarious. Yeah, sign the release, no problem. So, I don't know, it's insane. It's insane, I don't know. Um, You'd be surprised, you can really... And and getting the releases signed, it's an act of seduction. You really got it, we got it down to a science. Yeah, okay, so I get, like, I get it on your side. I get it, like, you, this is you. I mean, you, you've, you've hosted a TV show where you've stripped naked and destroyed your desk. You've hosted a TV show where there's, like, fires in the studio. You've, Eric Andre, I get how on earth is Lil Rel a part of this thing? Because I know Rel, he's like, he's like acting and he's, he's, he's a funny, serious guy, but I don't see him putting himself in danger, though. Yeah, you know, he, his very first prank that he filmed was the one where um, the guy pulled the knife out on us. So right. we, we did this prank where our, you know, our characters, uh, our penises get stuck in a Chinese finger trap. <laughs> And we went to this like really hood barber shop in Atlanta and we asked this real barber who was cutting a guy's hair for scissors. We're like, excuse me, sir, our 
you're stuck in a Chinese finger trap. Can you cut us out of this thing? And the guy went into like a murder rage because we're, we're like stretching the penises back and forth. He grabbed, he tried to get his gun. He grabbed his, he grabbed a knife, chased us out, tried to stab us. And we could barely run in the contraption. And that's, and Re, and Rel, that was not only the first day of production, but that was the first time Rel ever shot a hidden camera prank in his life. And he almost died. So he quit. He quit day one. And then he called Tiffany Haddish, who wasn't even in the movie at the time, just to vent. Like, uh, Eric's going to get me killed. I'm doing this hidden camera prank movie. I almost lost my life. And then she thought that was so funny that she called me afterwards and was like, yo, you almost got Rel killed? I want to be in your movie. I live for that stuff. <laughs> so, so, in a weird way, that was how we got the cast to come together. I mean, that's one way to get a cast together. I uh, yeah. almost killed someone, and that's really how I got uh, George Clooney on this film. Really it, was, it was really crucial uh, in, in doing that. Um, where, where, where to from here? Are you think you're gonna make more of these movies? Because I, I enjoyed it. I, I, w I was surprised. I was like, this is, this is actually fun. Thanks, man. It's like, uh, it's much longer than your normal 11 minute episode. But I was like, this is, this could be a thing. This could be like a running, you know? You should do it in other countries as well. Sure. Let's go to South Africa. They'll kill you. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> you can't. Are you yeah. telling me there's there's violence in South Africa? You can't, you can't. Let me tell you something, Eric Andre. All these things you do with Americans, South Africans will kill you, and then someone will go, it was a prank, and they'll be like, ah, ha, ha, that was funny. Well, you're dead now. I, I'm sorry. When you were doing your penis thing in my face, I, I didn't know it was a prank, and I'm sorry. Some South Africans might even be like, we'll kill you, even though we know it's a prank. They'll be like, yeah. <laughs> well, then that would make for great content. We got to get down there. <laughs> Grab the cameras. <laughs> Off to Johannesburg. <laughs> we only get to film that. one scene because I, I die. It'll be a three-minute movie. But, uh, yeah, no, I would love to keep making more of this stuff. Yeah, totally. I hope you do. Um, Thanks, and, and don't do it in South Africa because you'll die. And also because people will think I'm the one doing it. And then it'll be a whole thing where like people will be like, we saw Trevor Noah in South Africa running around with his penis in a Chinese finger trap. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> Or do you? You never know. <laughs> never know. Uh, Eric, man, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, congratulations on the film, for real. Congrats. I'm glad it finally came out. I'm glad people get to enjoy it. Um, thanks for reminding us to just have fun and be silly, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. And say hi to your mom and your sister for me. Okay. Sounds but not in a porn way, in like a very, you know, daily show diplomatic, way. Diplomatic, yes. Formal way. Hi, <laughs> right, my dude. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Don't forget, Bad Trip drops on Netflix March 26th. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, it is Women's History Month, so please consider donating to I Support the Girls, an organization dedicated to providing essential items like bras and menstrual hygiene products for girls and women who are experiencing homelessness. If you can help out in any way, please go to the link and donate whatever you can. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, ask your doctor for a hug prescription today so that you can flip that shit on the streets. Get paper, baby. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. 
follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.